this is Denise Lee Yan, and welcome to the Brand as Business Bites podcast. The Brand as Business Bites podcast features great stuff for your brain to chew on, including insights and interviews with newsmakers, brand builders, and thought leaders. It's available on iTunes and on my website, Denise Lee. I became a Jay Bear disciple after reading his New York Times best-selling book, Utility, Why Smart Marketing is About Health, Not Hype, because it was so insightful, so smart, and so practical. Now I'm quite excited to share this conversation with him about his new book, Hug Your Haters, How to Embrace Complaints and Keep Your Customers. Now, Jay has advised more than 700 companies, including Caterpillar, Nike, the United Nations, and 32 of the Fortune 500 companies. He started five multi-million dollar businesses from scratch, and he founded Convince and Convert, a strategy consulting firm in the intersection of technology, social media, and customer service. So I know we're going to have a great conversation. Welcome, Jay. Denise, thanks so much for having me. Always great to talk to you. Cool. All right, so your book, Hug Your Haters, is based on extensive research that you conducted with Edison Research. So just tell us a little bit about the research and the key things that you learned. Well, what I discovered when we started to go down this avenue is that customer service is being disrupted in the exact same ways and for the exact same reasons that marketing has been disrupted. It's mobile, it's millennials, it's social media. Uh, the same movie that we've all watched uh, play out in marketing is now playing out in customer service. However, there's like 500 books about marketing disruption. There's approximately now one book about customer service disruption. <laughs> um, customer service is extraordinarily important to every business, but yet it historically gets a short shrift and continues to do so. And, cu- and customers' expectations for what businesses can and should do, what really constitutes outstanding customer service, continues to change, and I wanted to document that and have lots of amazing uh, research to show that businesses really aren't nearly as good at it as they think they are. Right, and it sounds like, in a way, customer service can be marketing, right? I mean, if you think about customer service as a way to meaningfully differentiate your business from your competition, no question. Um, you know, on average, most businesses are mediocre at best at customer service. So if you as an organization say, hey, what if we put the requisite resources, what if we changed uh, our corporate DNA and said we're going to lead with customer service, we're going to be intentionally, strategically, and disproportionately good at it, you will then stand out uh, when compared to your competitors. And, of course, there are lots of businesses that, that have done that, that continue to do that. One of the ones I talk about in the book that I think is somewhat un- unexpected is Discover Card. So Discover is mm-hmm. competing against MasterCard. They're competing against Amex. They're competing against Visa. I mean, those guys are well-funded and playing for keeps. They said, look, we're not going to be able to outspend them. We can't run that on a TV budget. So what can we do instead? So well, we could be the best company in the world in terms of financial services companies at customer service. What would that look? Okay, okay, let's put the resources into this so that we can answer every cu- every customer in every channel within 20 minutes period. So if you call, it's 20 minutes. If you email, it's 20 minutes. If you tweet, it's 20 minutes. If you 
smoke signal that's 20 minutes, whatever. It's always 20 minutes, which is pretty remarkable for a financial services company to do that. And now they are becoming known as the best customer service provider in that industry. And eventually uh, that differentiates and, and not only keeps the customers you've already earned, but hopefully they start talking and you get more customers also. Right. I love that example. So, so in the research, what did you learn that maybe you know, surprised you the most? Well, we learned a number of things. The, the sort of core finding in the book is that if you, if you answer a customer complaint, it increases customer advocacy. And that happens every time and in every channel, in different concentrations depending on the channel. But if you answer somebody's complaint, they like you more. If you don't answer somebody's complaint, they like you less. And that happens in every channel. Uh, it essentially takes a bad situation and makes it worse. And that may stand to reason, but yet, um, even though that may be self-evident, one-third of all customer complaints are never answered. Still, to this day, one-third of customer complaints are never answered. And essentially, you're just kissing that customer goodbye. You're just saying, look, we don't – well, see ya. You know, let, don't let the door hit you. Because, look, no response is a response. No response is a response that says we don't care about you at all. Yeah, that is incredible. I mean, I, I really wonder what's going on at those companies that just don't – that don't respond. I, it's, it's really mind-blowing, right? Well, the, the issue, I think, is that customer service has been a necessary evil for generations. It, it has been something that we have to do, but, but very few organizations have led with service. It's not in their DNA. They figure, well, we can just replace a customer that we've lost. Uh, but ultimately, as marketing gets more and more difficult, it becomes less and less wise to rely on customer acquisition to replace customers who have left because your service isn't very good. Right, right. So it's no longer a necessary evil. It's a necessary part of doing business, it seems like. Well, I, I think everybody knows. Uh, I mean, you learn this in the first day in business, that it actually makes more sense financially to try and retain customers mm -hmm. uh, as opposed to just let them flee and kind of fill that metaphorical leaky bucket but, Denise, we don't actually run our businesses that way. Each year, globally, we spend about $500 billion on marketing and about $9 billion on customer service. Now, that's probably out of whack at some level, right? Yes. <laughs> it's a pretty big Yeah, deal. that's very telling. Right, right. And, and, and business, business emphasizes things with dollars, right, with funding. And so mm -hmm. that, that stat, 500 versus 9, tells you all you need to know about the state of customer service. It remains exactly. a necessary evil. But my vision, my hope, is that with this book, we start to change that thinking. And that if I ask you right now, if I ask anybody listening, if I ask you right now, who's really good at customer service, you can come up with a couple of names instantly. Why? Because they are exceptions. They are so rare, mm -hmm. they become memorable. Mm -hmm. My vision, my goal is that 18 to 24 months from now, enough people have read this book and said, you know what, we should be great at customer service. It's the easiest way to make money. That when I ask you who's great at customer service, you won't be able to name anybody because they won't be mm -hmm. rare anymore. Wow, I love that vision. I think that's a great vision. Now, um, now your book breaks out the differences between two types of complainers. 
Um, you called up on-stage complainers and off-stage complainers. So, and then you explained that the responses the company should make to these different complainers are, um, are different. So can you provide just kind of an overview of the differences and maybe yeah. an overview of the responses that are appropriate? Absolutely. So we didn't know this was true until we did the research, which is why I, this book is, I think, interesting because it's not just – Jay says, do this, go do it, right? I mean, there really is. It's all based on, on actual uh, research. And, and so what we found when we surveyed thousands and thousands of people and looked at the science of complaint is that, is that where you complain has a big impact on what you expect when you complain. And so there's, there's two main groups. There's the, the onstage, and those are people who complain in public. So it's social media review sites mm -hmm. like Yelp or TripAdvisor or whatever, you know, dealer, rater, you know, there's a million different ratings and review sites for every industry, so someplace like that, or discussion boards and forums. So those onstage uh, folks are, as you might suspect, slightly younger, slightly more technology savvy, slightly more social media savvy. The other side, the offstage complainers, are people who complain using what we'd consider to be now kind of a legacy channel, so phone or email primarily. Uh, they're a little older, a little less technology savvy, et cetera. But, but those demographic differences between the two groups are not significant. What's really significant is what they want. So when you complain on the phone or the email, you expect and anticipate a response. Ninety percent of the time, if you complain in the phone or email, you expect a business to get back to you because they typically do, right? It's, it's how business mm -hmm. has evolved. Mm -hmm since email was invented. Like if, if you email a company, you expect them to email you back. I mean, that's just kind of how it works. Right. On the other side, when people complain in social and beyond, they don't necessarily expect to hear back. Only 47% of the time do those customers anticipate that a business will reply because typically they don't, right? Most companies, by number, most companies ignore social media complaints entirely. And so the huge opportunity, the biggest opportunity for businesses right now, Denise, is to answer customer complaints in social media and related places because customers don't see you doing it. They don't expect you to do it. And so when you do, when you do reply to somebody who doesn't expect you to reply, what happens? It blows that customer's mind and it wins their heart. Mm -hmm. hmm. And, and to back to the point, it really differentiates, differentiates you as a brand. Of course, because most of your competitors don't do it at all, right? And the same right. thing is true with Yelp reviews or TripAdvisor reviews or any kind of reviews. You know, any sort of public online comment about a company is in many cases ignored. And so if you're the one that doesn't ignore it and you say, oh, we're really sorry you had a problem. How can we fix it? They're like, wow, I can't believe you actually found this and listened to me here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I love that your book, again, it's Hug Your Haters, is filled with stories, examples, and anecdotes from all sorts of companies, from local small businesses to large established enterprises. You already shared about Discover Cards. So I'm wondering if you might want to share one of your favorite examples of maybe one of those smaller businesses, um, just to give us a little bit of a different example sure. of a great customer service company. Sure, absolutely. And, and, and I'm glad you mentioned that, and I appreciate that, because I, I work really hard on the examples and the interviews in this book so that it does represent everybody. So there's small, there's large, there's medium, there's U.S., there's global, there's B2B, there's B2C. Because what I didn't mm -hmm. want, Denise, is for somebody to say, I read this book and there's nothing, I, I don't see myself in this book. 
Um, and so we really set it up so that every kind of business, every size of business has stories for them in it. And, and uh, I'm glad that that resonated. One of my favorite small businesses, smallish businesses, uh, is Fresh Brothers Pizza. And we talk about them in the book in a few different places. Uh, they are a chain of 13 pizza restaurants in Southern California, family-owned. And their owner, Debbie Goldberg, is really terrific at how she handles customers in public, mostly because she's a restaurant. Uh, she gets a lot of feedback on her Facebook page as well as Yelp and TripAdvisor. And so most businesses ignore that feedback, as we've discussed, but she definitely mm-hmm. does not. So if somebody leaves a negative review, she answers back as quickly as possible in public and says, I'm terribly sorry we disappointed you. We must have had an off night. Could I send you a gift card, and would you please give us another try? And then if somebody leaves a good review, she also, same thing, answers in public and says, I am so delighted that you enjoyed your time at Fresh Brothers. Could I possibly send you a gift card, and you could come back? But if you do that, we promise to bring somebody who's never been in before. That's so smart? smart. It's so smart. And so I asked her, I said, well, this seems really smart, Debbie, but, you know, that seems like a lot of gift cards. Like, are people trying to scam mm-hmm. you out of gift cards? Mm-hmm. And she said, well, right. you know, we keep a list. Like, we're not giving the same one to the same person over and over. Uh, and she said, mm-hmm. you know, is it possible that somebody's being, you know, extra mean or extra nice in order to try and get a gift card out of us? She's like, yeah, probably, but who cares? She's like, it's the cheapest marketing I can possibly do because every time I say something like that on Yelp, Tens or hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands of people see how I handle that situation, and it changes how they think about my business. It's the cheapest marketing we can do. What she really understands is a key principle in this book, which is that customer service now is a spectator sport. Yes, you want to make the customer happy, but the revenue impact of all the people looking on is massively larger than the revenue impact of the person who complained. Well, I, I love all of the insights in your book, and I wish we had more time to go to talk about it, but I want to make sure that people go and buy and read your book. So Do it. I agree. One, yeah, so please tell everyone how they can learn more about your book, get it, and learn more about you, Jay. Uh, you can get the book all the places and ways that books can be acquired these days. Uh, in your local bookstore, you'll find it in the business section. Uh, in customer service, you'll find it, uh, of course, on the online uh, retailers, bn.com, Amazon, etc., uh, if you go to HugYourHaters.com, uh, you'll see all kinds of extra stuff about the book. In fact, if you buy copies of the book, send me your receipt. I'll send you all kinds of awesome free stuff that you can't get anywhere else. Uh, and for information about me, you can go to ConvinceAndConvert.com. Great. Well, thank you so much, Jay. And I, and I do believe that you live what you preach in the sense that your book is full of, of directions for people to give you feedback on the book. So I want to give you the feedback that I, I really did enjoy your book, took out away not only some key facts and key points, but then all I uh, talked about, all these examples were both, I think, inspirational and instructional that I plan to share with my clients. So thank you for writing this great book, and thanks for doing this conversation with me today. Oh, thank you, and thanks so much for the kind words. That means a lot to me. I really appreciate that. That's it for today. Thanks for listening to the Brand as Business Bites podcast. Be sure to subscribe to it on iTunes or through my website, deniseleeyon.com. And check out my new best-selling book, What Great Brands Do, The Seven Brand Building Principles That Separate the Best from the Rest. Go to whatgreatbrandsdo.com. And remember, good is the enemy of great. Greatness is a choice. Choose to be great.